We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our August breakfast with Pastor Greg Scott. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. Well, good morning, everybody. This shouldn't bother me. You're around 1,000 teenagers. You can't get too nervous being around a bunch of guys. Hey, I had some uh, quotes from about, not about men, but uh, I read these on the internet yesterday. Uh, yesterday it says, if a man says he will fix it, he will. There's no need to remind him every six months. <laughs> I also uh, read this yesterday. It was a prayer this man prayed. He said, dear Lord, so far today, I'm doing all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulged. I've not whined, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, <laughs> and I will need a lot more help after that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, guys are awesome. Listen, God has called men to... Uh, lead in our generation. And we've got to be able to do it no matter where God sends us. I never thought in a million years at 50, I'm 56, I never thought in a million years at 53 years old I'd be doing student ministry. I, um, Pastor Witt asked me to go do it, and well, actually, when our youth pastor left, I told him I was going to do it in, for an interim period of time. And so I made sure all the kids knew it was interim. Because I didn't want to do that. I just didn't want to do it. I'd already done it. Most of my life I've done it. I said, you know what? It's time to go some, do some other things. And, and Whit asked me to reconsider and to stay and do some things. And so we did. And I was talking to a guy in Birmingham uh, about a year or so ago. And he told me, he said, I think you're the oldest youth pastor in America. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't like it very much. He says, as a matter of fact, I think you're the oldest youth pastor in the world. <laughs> I said, okay, that's great. But anyway, there's places that God takes you that uh, you don't get to decide. You just need to agree with. And sometimes you think it's a setback, and what God has for you is not a setback. Your plan B was God's plan A the entire time. It's just sometimes our egos get in the way of what God wants to do in a, in a season. Not, every, not everything's for life. Things are in seasons. We need to learn that as men. Things are in seasons, and I want to talk to you today about um, some leadership things that I think men need to hear. I need to hear it, but it's developing our capacity for growth. It's something we need to do as men. We have to learn to grow. We cannot stay where we are. No matter what age you are here, you cannot stay where you are. You need to be moving and growing. Uh, even if you, you know, the husband in you, the dad in you, the CEO in you, the blue collar, the officer, whatever you are, we got to grow. We cannot stay where we are. Uh, the world demands that we grow or you will get lost. You'll just get lost in life and we don't want to do that. So one of the first things I want to talk about is this idea that when God sends or God sends men to lead, manage, and solve problems. When there are problems and there needs to be leading and management, he's going to send men to do it. Now, I'm not saying women, they're not here today. 
And so don't go tell your wives that I said all of this. Just absorb this, all right? Because we know who runs your house. So let's just be clear about that. But some of this you have to understand, these are, this is patterns in Scripture. When God does things, he, you'll see him do things in patterns where you'll see this will happen, the same thing will happen again, same thing will happen again. And this happened, the first man was sent to solve a problem. He was created to solve a problem. And it was management. I heard a guy say not long ago, whatever you mismanage, you will lose. If you mismanage your finances, you will lose your finances. If you mismanage your marriage, you will lose your marriage. If you mismanage your kids, you will lose your kids. If you mismanage your job, you will lose your job. But if you manage it, they can thrive. And so God has sent us, even this is what Scripture says in, um, this is Genesis chapter 1. Most of us have heard this. If you haven't, we're going to have it on the screen. It says, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. This is the first time this word is used in Scripture. It's, it's a word that tells you you have to lead. He created you to lead. You're not here just to take a back seat in, in all the situations you're in. There's times when you have to. I understand that. But you have to lead. God created man to be a leader. Wherever he goes, you're, you should be leading in the culture we're in. We need men. It says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, this is what he spoke to them. It's the first thing he ever said to them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and I need you to subdue it, which is I need you to manage what I have done. There's no one in here that is a creator. Now, you can call yourself a creative. You're not a creative. You're managing what God has already given you. There's nothing you say, well, I'm, you know, I build things. No, you take what God has done and you build things. When you start taking credit for creativity, then you have become God. And we don't want to take that role. We, we are managers of what he gave us. Now, you may create things out of what he built, but you are truly a manager of what he has. And God's asked us to do that as men. You, you need to be fruitful. You need to be productive. You need to be creating. You need to be or managing. And you need to be subduing what God has created you to do here. He says, and I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over everything that creeps over all the earth. And listen to this. When God needed a man to, ma he, when God needed someone to, to manage what he had done, he sent a man. When he needed someone to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, God did not do that. He sent a man to do it. He sent Moses to do it. Now, he empowered Moses to do it, but he sent a man. God, God is, listen, I'm telling you guys, God's not going to come down here and fix everything you're doing. Now, he wants to partner with us, and I'm not, we don't want to be the Lone Ranger and, and be an idol unto ourselves, but at the same time, we have to understand this. When God wants something done and when God wants something fixed, he's sending you. This is important for us to understand. Not in an egotistical way. When God needed someone to kill Goliath, he sent a man. Now, it was a teenager, but he still was a man. When there was a problem in the early church, men stepped in to solve it. 
This is what Acts chapter 6 says. It says, now in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. How many of you ever had growth in your company? And just always remember this. Anytime you have complaints, you have growth. So quit trying to get rid of all the complaints because when you get rid of complaints, you're gonna, you're, you're, everything's going to die. So we're not trying to get rid of all the complaints. We're trying to create growth. The, complaints are just a byproduct of growth. If your wife is complaining about you, Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> I have a wife. I'm just telling you. In those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men. And this is the kind of character they had to have. They need to have a good reputation. They need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And they need to be full of wisdom whom we can appoint over this business. Now, if you read anything about this, you will never see this problem come up in the New Testament again. It got solved. Why? Because men that were, had good reputation, they were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, went in and solved the problem. You want to see, listen, men, we have to be problem solvers. Listen, when your family needs a father, he's going to send you. When your son needs a dad, he's going to send you. When your wife needs a husband, he's going to send you. Not someone else. So me and my wife are on the edge of divorce. I know. And I'm just telling you right now, you have everything in you for God to help restore that marriage. It's not somewhere else. Guys, listen to me. The problems that you and I are experiencing are not in another person. Now, we may have to partner with someone. We may have to have a brotherhood to help us around. But I'm telling you right now, God put everything in you to be the husband that you're supposed to be to the woman you married. He put everything in you to do the job that you're supposed to do in the company you're supposed to do. You have the kids that you have. Now, they may annoy you. Oh, my goodness. I have three of them and two grandkids. Thank God I did not kill my kids. <laughs> but, man, every time I, my kids have run into issues, and they have, guess who's one of the their best confidants, me. Why? Because God equipped me to do it. Now, it doesn't mean other people can't be in their life, but I'm the lead. I'm the lead. Listen, I'm not going to pass that off to somebody else. It's my job to go apologize when I need to apologize as a man. That's what men do. Leading does not mean domination. Leading means humility sometimes. It means apologizing when I have to apologize. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've apologized to my wife and my children. Why? Because that's what leadership does. We're not here to dominate. We're here to serve. But at the same time, we're not going to be passive. Because how many of you know, you can't be passive and fix problems. We can't just sit back as men, even in our church, or the church that you attend, and just sit back and just go, well, they'll do it. No, you're, you're there. Back uh, in uh, 2019 or so, I don't even like to talk about this because... We had a, an event at 180, and um, 
we had suspected, we called it the 180 State Fair. It's the year we didn't have the fair, and it was a mistake to call it that, but some of you know exactly what I'm going to tell you about. But we had an event. We, we thought we was going to have about 1,000 kids. We had a Ferris wheel. We had fair food. We have everything you could think of up there. And the thing went viral on, on uh, a social media platform, and I quit counting at 2,200 teenagers. Lord. Fox News came, they heard about it, and Fox News came, and they, were, they wanted to interview me, and I told them, no, no, I don't, want to, I don't want it. This is not what this is about. It's about teenagers. I don't want to do this. And I'm so glad because about 30 minutes later, a bunch of gang members came, and we had a free-for-all on our property up on the building. I'm talking about hair pulling. <laughs> it was Insanity. And I'm sitting out there going, oh, my gosh. We finally got it all taken care of. There was parents coming. I got the ugliest emails. How many of y'all know Christian people can send you some ugly stuff? <laughs> I mean, they call me everything. I'm glad I'm saved because before I was saved, man, oh, Lord Jesus. But anyway, anybody here barely saved? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just barely just, I, hey, I've got this. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, man. I answered every one of them except for one. And I wasn't going to waste my fingernails on this thing. Just, no. And, I mean, I was, because what happened is these people are fighting. All these kids, their kids are calling them and telling them, hey, please pick me up. There's a fight and blah, blah, blah. And we heard a gun was there. and It was all kinds of stuff. And parents start coming and pick them, their kids up. And, I mean, there's these people fighting, beating their car. I mean, just, it was insanity. And something that it turned out, I wanted it to be good, turned into something bad. And I remember standing out there once this night was over. And it's the first time in my ministry life I was going to resign the next day. I had already said, I'm quitting. This is over. I'm done. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to put kids in that kind of situation. My goodness. I'm a protector more than most people in here. I mean, I'll fight for kids. And so I was standing, I remember I was standing there, Witt called me and Brian called me and they told me, say, hey, we got your back. Don't you, need, <laughs> thank God you have brothers, man, that'll just say, hey, we got your back. Pastor George called me too and told me, he said, hey, what are you trying to do up there, man? You trying to create 180 all over again? <laughs> what are you doing, brother? And he just, he laughed at me and said, you'll be all right. I got your back. Don't worry about it. But the next morning, man, I'm telling you what, it, would, it bothered me. And I, I still had planned on stepping down and just saying, hey, somebody else needs to take this. This is, not my, this is not what I want to do. But I remember the feelings that I had as a man. And I just, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if, if to get through this, I'm gonna, you're going to have to speak to me because I, I, I need something to help me stand. If, if you want me to stay here, you're going to have to give me something to stand. And I heard just as clear, I mean, just in my heart, I heard it. I didn't hear anything in my, no voices or anything, but in my heart. All I heard was, be strong. That's all I heard. I was surprised by it because he didn't say, apologize. And he didn't say, uh, be weak. He said, be strong. And so I know that's a, it's, there's multiple places in the Bible where that phrase is used. So I went and found every one of them that morning. 
and read them, and I knew that's what I'm going to stand on. He told me to be strong. And so that whole thing, I never, I never apologized to a single person because I didn't, I didn't do anything. Now, I'll apologize when I feel like I'm wrong, but if I'm not wrong, I'm not going to apologize. At the same time, how many of you know as men, we can't be, we have to be strong. We, we need to be strong, not weak. I'm not saying you can't have times of weakness because I think we all do, and we need a group of people that can help us. That's why you're here. You're in tables and circles, and you need that. But how many of you know there's going to be times where you're going to have to hear from God yourself, and you're going to have to be strong? And I walked through that thing, and I'm telling you, after we got through it, everybody calmed down, and, you know, all the Christian parents around here, you know, that think their kids should never see anything like that, they watch it on TV all the time. They just don't know they do. And, and I'm not even, I understand that. I wouldn't want my kid around some of that, but you can't. When you're walking through life as a guy, you have to lead. And I knew I had to step up to the plate on this because, man, if I, I'm going to tell you this. If I get passive when that happens, all there is going to be is a lot of hurt. You cannot. There's times in our lives we cannot be passive. And here's the thing. How many of you, some of you have been this way. Some of you have lived your life this way, maybe because of something that your dad or your mom or some of your past stuff, when things happen to you, you back off or you become passive or you, you step back instead of stepping into something and, step, and, and not stepping into a problem, you sort of step back from it. And I'm telling you, I just want to challenge you, you're going to have to really get your relationship with God good and you're going to have to step into your marriage. You cannot step back. Even if you messed it up and you're the one that caused all the pain, you're gonna have, you can't draw back. If you draw, I'm telling you this, if you draw back, the enemy is going to fill the gaps. There's one thing I had to learn about leadership. If you leave gaps, someone or something is going to fill it, and it will never be the person that was supposed to. Every time I have stepped back from something and left a gap, there's always someone or something that stepped into that and created more problems than, than was if I would have just stepped into it. Why? Because you and I are supposed to have, we're supposed to lead and manage and solve problems, not retreat from them. Even with your kids. Kids may be doing all kinds of silly stuff, but you know what? You got you to step into it. Just walk into it. Be strong and just walk in. Ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. Step right into it. Don't pack up. If you need help, get help. You got brothers here, but be strong and step into it. Am I helping anybody? If not, you know, that's all right. You don't have to clap. That's fine. We just, we have to do it. Uh, I've taken over a lot. I've been here 20 years. I've finished 20 years of Church on the Move last week or so, whatever, or two weeks ago. And I've done a lot of stuff here. The only thing I hadn't done is finances, and there's really good reasons for that. And, but years ago, I took over a particular department, and I had taken over multiple departments. and sort of, I, I sort of go in and fix them and get them back to health, and then we just hand them off to somebody that really wants to run them. And... Uh, so that's one of my, it's been my roles here for a long time. And so I remember taking over at a particular department and uh, I was, I was so mad. I'd already taken it over once and I had to go back and do it again. I was so mad that I had to go do that again. Not because, not at anybody. I was just mad at the people that messed it up. 
And I remember complaining and just, I mean, I complained for months about this to myself. I mean, just me and my wife, I was just, ugh. everything I said was just negative and negative and negative. And, and how I many you know, you get that negative all the time. It just bleeds over into everything. And so I remember my, my wife, she's awesome. She's sweet, but man, anybody have a wife of you back here in the corner? Just get out of it. Lord Jesus. And so I remember talking about it, and she, she said, when, when are you going to do anything about this? She says, I've heard you complain about this for months. When are you going to lead it? And it, I didn't really like that. <laughs> and so I just went to prayer about it because I, I try to pray about everything that I possibly can. And I talked to the Lord about it, and I just felt... And, and I, I, all I heard, and I use this with my staff all the time, I heard in my, just in my heart again, I heard these words. No one's coming. No, no, nobody's coming to fix this. I sent you to fix it. No, nobody's coming. I sent you to fix it. And that day I just made a tweak in my heart about the whole thing and just said, okay, I'm not going to complain no more. I'm not going to, if, if God has sent us to go repair it, don't complain about the other people. Just do your job and step into it. Now, here's the second thing, and we're going to close this thing down. If you're going to do this, you've got to make sure as a guy that you focus on the right thing. Because we can get our eyes on the wrong things really, really quickly, and we get our, we get our, we get our eyes on the problem that we're trying to solve instead of who we, we are. And I'm going to show you this in this illustration. All of us have capacity as a leader. Some of you, when you start, it's this kind of capacity. I mean, it's just smaller than what other people have, and, and you don't even know you don't have, you, you don't even know you're limited, but you are. Here's why. Because when you put a seed in this container, the problem with this is not in the seed or the problem you're trying to solve. It's in the container. Because the seed will never, ever outgrow this. The seed is always going to be limited by the capacity of this. No matter what you do or how big you want it to be. How many of you ever gotten in a situation where the, the seed outgrew you? Or the problem was bigger than you? And over time, this thing will actually, it will limit what you can do. Our capacity as leaders to grow, this, the problem we're trying to solve, it will, it will, this, you and I will totally limit this. So what you have to do and I have to do, our capacity has to grow. As a leader, we got to learn and we have to grow and develop because if you don't, what happens is you, you want a thousand people, but you can't handle a thousand people. So God won't give you a thousand people. We had a thousand teenagers, almost a thousand, 988 teenagers at our conference. The year before we had 700 and something. The year before that we had 400 and something. But why does it happen incrementally like that? Because of this. 
You can't ask for a million when you can't do a thousand. Your capacity has to grow. As a husband, your capacity, you want a better marriage? You have to grow, not her. You want a better relationship with your kid? You got to grow. You can't stay here and expect you to solve big problems with your kids when your capacity is this. You have to grow. I'll never forget the time I told my kids, you can say anything you want to to me as long as you're nice. And then they did. <laughs> it was painful for my daughter to walk in and look at me right in the eyes and say, Dad, I just, you told me, did you tell me I can say anything I want to as long as I'm nice? I said, yes. She said, I just want you to know sometimes you're a jerk. Oh. But as a dad, what did I tell her? You have to grow. You don't get... You don't get to be this big time, you don't get a big time marriage in a container like this. You don't get a big time job and in in, get promoted when, when you, you want this, but you, you and I live here. You have to grow. You want capacity? You got to get, you got to study. You got to learn. You got to be around people. You got to be exposed to things. Can't keep doing the same things over and over and expect to get something different. It doesn't happen. The other thing that I had to learn is this. I have to grow. I'm constantly having to grow. And I mean, I'm 53, and I think I have students down, and I think I know what I'm doing, and then one of them throws me a curveball. I had a little girl walk up to me Wednesday night. Somebody come over and say, hey, will you come and pray for this little girl? And I said, sure. I walk over there. She's sobbing, crying. And I said, what's, going, what's wrong, sweetheart? She said, I've, I've been arrested for assault. I mean, this is a 17-year-old kid, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to go to jail. Just broken. Well, let me tell you something. You better get rid of this. Or I met with a kid yesterday. Mom's in drug rehab. She's been staying with her grandmother since she was six years old. Grandma passed away. This girl's jumping from house to house. Made a 28 in her ACT. Jumping from her house, she doubled my score. I'm <laughs> just telling you right now. It's terrible. She's saying, I said, what do you need? She said, I just need guidance. I don't know what I'm doing. I said, you ever feel lost? She said, yeah. Listen, you can't, you can't solve those kind of problems with a container like this. Your capacity has to grow, men. We have to grow. There's no reason you can't grow. There's more material on the Internet and places you can get that stuff to help you grow than there's ever been. There's no reason you can't grow. But here's one of the things I had to figure out. It's not just the container, it's what's in it. What's in here? What's in my heart? I've had to deal with my heart more than I have anything. What I really, really at the core, who am I? I've had to really work at this. And man, I'm, listen, I'm an alpha male. I don't even play a game that I can't win. I don't. If I can't win, if I don't think I can beat you, eh, no, nah, I'll just... I'm sorry. You said, that's your ego. Yeah, I got to work on that, okay? Just help a brother out, you know what I'm saying? But I also know that there's some things, there were some things that I was, I was hard-hearted about some things, and God needed to do something on the inside of me to get to me where, where my capacity could grow. And one of the things, I'll just tell you, I'm going to give you the four things that I've had to change in my heart. I'm going to give you to you in less than two minutes. 
I had to learn to love people. Not my position. Takes a lot of humility to do that. You had to learn to love people like that where they are. Not expect them to be. Like some of your kids, some of you expect them to be 20 years old. You hadn't had a conversation with them in three years. Kids don't grow unless you talk to them. Or they do, they just grow the wrong way. Some of you were treated like that when you grew up. Your dad never talked to you, never said much to you, and so you do the same thing to your kid. Well, they'll get it. They won't get it. They won't get it. I deal with a thousand of them. They won't get it. They get, you have been sent. Go deal with them. You got to love people. You got to love your own kids. My kid hates me. Doesn't matter. You're not trying to change. Forget about the seed. Change you. Malachi 4, 6 says this. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Then the hearts of the children will return to the fathers. We go first. I had to love people. Here's the second thing I had to do. I had to get a prayer life. Now, some of that's going to freak some of y'all out and go, I never pray. I understand that. We're pretty self-sufficient. But I'm going to tell you something about prayer. One of the best ideas I ever got about prayer was this. Learn to pray like you text. Short, quick, not paragraphs. Anytime you write somebody a paragraph, how many of you know you probably hadn't talked to them in a while? Or you got a huge problem and you're trying to explain it. You want a relationship? Text. Just text God in your prayer. Just keep it on going all day long. You all know what I'm talking about. You have jobs where you do that. Just text. Just text God and say, hey, I need help with this. Get him in your life. Get him in your life. Here's the third thing. I had to have humility. A lot of humility, man. I'm telling you what I got. Anybody here got any pride in your life? Okay, about five of you. Okay. <laughs> I get that. I understand it. I had to learn humility. You say, well, that sounds weak. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now. I got stronger when I got humble. It was the craziest thing. I thought I had to protect everything. And the more I gave away and the more I humbled myself before the Lord, the more he, I mean, the more he gave me. I was fighting to get and get and get and get. And finally, when I went down, I got and got and got and got. It was the craziest thing. And the last thing is this. I had to have a growth plan. I have a plan for my growth. How much are you guys reading? What are you reading? What are you listening to? We have audio books now for some of you. There's no excuses, honestly. There's no excuse for you not to grow. You got to grow. You got to ask God. Get a growth plan. What books are you reading? Ask. There's hundreds of people. Chris Turner reads, I don't know how many books he reads. I don't even like it because of it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love you, bro. We got to do this, guys. And you know what? Stop making it so hard. God loves you. He has a perfect plan for your life. He's not mad at you all the time. Some of you, when you hear and you think God's talking to you, you, you think he's talking to you in tones like your dad talked to you. But he doesn't. God can be kind and easy to be talked to. He's not always mad. Some of you, when you think you hear God, you hear this voice just booming down on how negative you are and how bad you are. Let me tell you what you are. You're a man that needs God. 
You're not just a flawed man. We're all flawed. There's a bunch of flawed people in here. There's flawed leaders up here. You're a flawed guy up here. But I'm telling you what, you're not so flawed. God wants to have a relationship with you. He cares about you. And he's not trying to condemn you every time you do something silly and stupid. Read. The, have you ever read your Bible? Man, there are idiots in there. And God used them. God used them. Men that were just whacked out stupid. God used them. He cared about them. He's trying to get you. If you just, listen, I'm telling you, if you just open your heart up a little bit, I'm telling you, God, the, the amount of change that could happen in your life would be drastic. If you just gave him a little. If you would, just, we're going to pray and close this thing out. If you're here, you say, Pastor Greg, that's me. You're talking to me. You're here and you don't have a relationship with God. You've held on to this thing, even your heart. You know it's crusty. Mine has been. There's men in here that way. You've been holding on to this thing going, God, trying to control your own life. Everything in it's controlled by you. And it's just, it's going to break you. You need a relationship with God. You do that through asking Christ to be Lord of your life. Or maybe you're in here and you guys, you go, you know, you're far from God today. Maybe you've been a believer and you just, I mean, you just put your life in neutral pretty much. And the enemy's just taking over some of it. And you want prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm going to have Johnny come if he would. And he'll talk to you when we're done here. But if you're here and you say, Pastor Greg, that's me. I need prayer today. Would you just, I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. Would you just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir, in the back. Thank you. Thank you right here, sir. Thank you. See your hand, sir. Thank you. Be bold, man. I'm telling you, the quicker you can do this and get your heart, there's other men that needs to be doing this, I'm telling you. Not because we want numbers, but I'm telling you, God can change your heart. Anybody else? Don't hold on to the chair too long. Don't hold to your, your heart too long. Be as quick as you can possibly be. That's awesome. Way to go, guys. We've had six, seven hands raised. Anybody? Thank you, sir. Thank you. I don't care how old you are. You're never too far. You're never too far gone for God to receive you and take you. Change your life. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay. We're going to pray a prayer. I want all our men, listen, guys, we need to be bold. We gotta, this is brotherhood. We're a family. We do this together. We care about one another. We're going to repeat a prayer. We're going to be bold about it and loud. Y'all ready to do this? Let's do it. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. I confess my sin to you. I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive me and make me brand new. Give me purpose. Make me strong. I humble myself before you, and I receive everything you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.